This is Think Retail, a podcast where top designers, strategists, thought leaders, and business people discuss what's coming next. Hi, I'm Melinda, and you're listening to Think Retail. Even though grocery stores remained open during lockdown, many people chose to do their grocery shopping online to avoid exposure to COVID. In fact, in SLD's recent study on e-commerce for CPG brands, 69% of respondents said they shopped more online for groceries during the pandemic. For CPG brands, this news is not generally received with enthusiasm. The online shopping experience is extremely different from a shop in the store, and options such as saving your previous purchase list for reorder can make it harder for brands to be noticed. Some CPG brands are wading into the waters of direct-to-consumer platforms, but with mixed success. Today, we're talking to Lori Smell, Senior Account Manager at SLD with 10 years of experience working with CPG brands about the challenges brands are facing in the online world. Lori, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Can you start us off by telling us a little bit about you? Thanks for having me on. As you mentioned, I've been, I have 10 years of experience in CPG brands. I work with some great clients and deal with the projects and understand what the clients have to say and the challenges that they have, you know, every day. So, yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. I mean, you, you're constantly talking to clients about what their biggest challenges are and what are they saying to you about the online grocery shopping experience? Yeah, I think it's definitely a big change and different for them now. We work obviously a lot in package design and packaging and the way consumers shop for packaging in store is completely different than what they would do online and what you used to like think through um, in terms of like the package design and how it pops on shelf, you know, a thumbnail. Um, And I think that's really challenging for our like CPG brands and how they kind of come across online. You know, you used to try and break through in the aisles or buy more displays in store. And like now they have to kind of pivot and think, how are you going to do that breakthrough online and really capture the consumer's attention while they're scrolling through the websites? So I think that's been a huge challenge for them. It's how do you, you know, capture capture a consumer's attention in like that blink of an eye and then do that on in the online world, which is a very different ballpark. Yeah, and you're dealing with platforms that are all relatively different, whereas grocery stores are generally, I mean, there may be some differences within a store, but generally the shelves are more or less the same, but the websites are quite different. Some offer a lot of options for, you know, maybe you can upload five different pictures. Maybe some only allow you a teeny tiny little thumbnail. Some might allow you some product description and others less. So that means you have to have a, a slightly different strategy for every single one of these partner sites, which is mm-hmm. even makes it even more complicated. Mm-hmm. For sure. And it's even just a new way of thinking for, for the brands too. Like that has never really been, I don't think of for, on the forefront of like their process and, and now thinking of beautiful renderings and beautiful product images. That's, that's a whole new avenue they have to kind of start thinking about as they're launching. Mm-hmm. To take a deeper look at the e-commerce study, I spoke to Sebastian Maynard, a digital marketing and communications strategist at SLD, about the key insights and his perspective. One of the big takeaways from the study was that even though consumers still have a strong preference for the store, even those who really prefer the store still plan to shop more online. Sebastian, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Good. What do you make of this? It's interesting. I mean, we're so kind of ingrained in the COVID world for the past year and a half, feels like two years now that we've been talking about this new normal and how really things are 
going to be post-COVID, never going back to what they once were. And a perfect example of that is how this shift to online shopping, I think, will continue on. And at first, it did feel like a necessity, social distancing, stores were closed, it felt like the right thing to do. And a lot of people kind of embraced it for that reason. But I think as we move on, the idea and the, the reason why people are going to continue shopping online kind of changes. And there's been this perceived value that now people have started to understand and appreciate. Interestingly for me as a, a millennial, I haven't really gotten into the online shopping for food, but then talking to even some of our coworkers, like Lou, one of the designers, he does it for um, pet food or he subscribes to coffee service and things like that. So people are kind of ex being able to explore how online shopping is making their lives easier. And when it comes to value, yes, there is the cost associated with it, but also it helps you with saving with time. Maybe you get some added perks. Maybe you're finding some things that you can't get in store. You're feeling a part of a community. All these different things that have kind of come up with online shopping that maybe didn't resonate as much when you were going into the physical store. And we are seeing, you know, that grocery stores or CPG brands are trying to kind of close the loop, whether it's through a loyalty system, an app some online promotions that are exclusive if you, if you sign up or if you're a repeat shopper. So consumers are realizing that it's not just convenience or um, safety that is the main driver of value with online shopping. And it's up to brands to really hone in on what their customers are looking for and how do they make that value uh, speak to them. Right. And I think the thing that really struck me was that people are shopping both channels. There's very few people who are saying, I'm only going to the store or I'm only shopping online, that people had different reasons to go to the store than maybe they would have two years ago where they maybe would have gone into the store to do that big shop all the time. Now people are maybe doing the big shop online and going in the store when they want something special or when they're looking for a particular ingredient for a recipe or whatever. And so knowing that consumers are gonna be shopping online, whether it's on your app or on a, a website, it seemed like people were kind of 50-50, but they're also going to be going into the, into the store. So the connection between all these channels really needs to feel seamless. And I think that's the next sort of stage. There's lots of companies who were really kind of behind on the online experience and have really upped their game during the pandemic. But the next step is to make sure that these things are working together really cohesively so it doesn't feel like you know, when you go into the store, you can't find that thing that was on the website that you said you had in store. Where is it? You know, to make sure that it's really seamless is the next step to me. For sure. And, you know, people are so, there's so much information out there. And I think maybe two, five years ago, however long ago, it was a certain demographic or a certain age group that was going to conduct their research before going into the store. And they already knew what they were looking for and what the price was and what the reviews were. But now I think that's becoming a little bit more universal. You see in grocery stores all the time, someone's looking at their phone and they're kind of price matching. They're looking at, oh, what is it like at Walmart? What is it like at No Frills? What is it like at Metro? And so trying to fi find that perfect kind of balance between both the online and the physical and understanding that they are not separate. Mm -hmm. It's easier said than done. 
especially for large brands with massive inventory, lot, massive websites, and the logistics are, you know, uh, daunting. But it's uh, people are just so educated, and they already are. They're going into the store with an idea of what they're looking for, what the cost will be, and I think that that has kind of shifted and will continue on um, moving forward as well. Yeah, absolutely. So according to our study, there were a few key groups who really prefer the online experience. And one of the, the, the biggest group, the biggest fans of online shopping, they were the most likely to adopt online shopping for the first time during the pandemic or high income consumers. What do you think this group is looking for? I think, and you kind of dive into it more in the study, but it's this idea of the exclusivity that can come with being able to buy from a store that isn't necessarily just down the street from you. So the the world has really expanded in terms of what you can buy online, but I'd, I'd kind of be interested to hear your thoughts as well. Yeah, I think when I reviewed all the data, what was interesting to me is that high-income consumers are also looking for value. Like they price price comparison is also relevant to this group. It's just that what they they view as a good price is going to be different because the, their point of reference is different. Mm-hmm. But they still want value. But they're also looking for an experience. So when we ask them about things like you know how important social media was, how often are they looking to influencers like you know. celebrity chefs and that kind of thing they're much more engaged in the sort of the whole lifestyle of cooking and food especially during the pandemic we know everybody was cooking more at home so they're really they're not just going online for convenience on the flip side Another thing I found really interesting was that lower income consumers, are, they're generally less interested in the online experience, but 28% of them said that COVID had no impact on their grocery shopping behavior. What do you make of this? Yeah, I, I, I agree. It, it is a little interesting. And my first thought is do things like shipping costs, access to internet, those types of kind of basic questions, is that one of the hindrances? Because we take it for granted that having a stable internet connection and being able to get same day delivery are available, but not necessarily for everyone. And so that kind of is my first question is, how is, is there still a barrier for some people with online shopping and how can brands kind of break down that wall? And yeah, we've talked about kind of the higher income ones and how we can cater to them, but how can we also cater to those people that are looking for the cheapest and the best product available, but without all the frills. And so this is an eye opener for brands is that there's a huge market that is not taking advantage and how can how can you get them online and be a, a repeat shopper with you on your e-commerce platform i had exactly the same thought you know you would think that for anyone during covid the convenience the yeah. additional safety the time saving you're maybe going out less anyways and so to me the thought that there is a barrier in terms of maybe i have a limited uh, amount of internet service so i'm really going to be conservative about how much i'm using data or maybe i don't even have internet in my home maybe it's mm-hmm. just my yeah. phone that i'm using and i'm no longer going to the office so i don't have that free wi-fi that i'm connecting to at the office so now i'm even more limited so thinking about how um, to reduce that barrier to engage lower income consumers i think that's definitely going to be uh, important for brands to think about. 
Yeah. And it goes back to that, the idea of value and value is different to everyone. It's saving money, it's saving time, it's perks, it's all of these things. And so regardless of income or demographic or whatever, it's figuring out who that customer base is, who you want to target, and how do you really bring a value to them and uh, entice them to embrace online shopping and embrace your e-commerce platform. So after speaking to Laurie and Sebastian, I wanted to get a designer's perspective. So I connected with SLD's EVP of Creative and Innovation, Richard Durstein, on how brands can improve visibility in the online experience. So tell me about visibility online versus visibility in store. What are some of the unique challenges of the online experience? Yeah, that's a good question. I would first say that the good news is that there are some parallels between the physical journey in store and bricks and mortar and the online. So there's some great learning that can be had that we can take from the retail journey, but online does offer a unique set of challenges. And, you know, I'll just go through a few of these. So the first one I would talk to would be uh, the lack of a sensory experience. You know, when, when we shop, we physically pick up a package, we turn it around, we read the back label, we judge its weight, the texture of the packaging, uh, maybe the printing. So there's a lot of visual um, touch, sensory, that's missing from the online. And you know that in, from an impulse standpoint, as we say, from an emotional connection standpoint, that's missing online. The next point I'd make would be that the overall experience is non-linear. And by that, I mean, when a person enters a, a supermarket or a retail store, there's a physical journey. So think like Ikea, you enter in the front door, you go into this area, then this area, this category, and so on. And in that process, you're exposed to products that you might normally you know, not see. This is that old adage about putting milk at the back of the store. So they have to make sure that you go through the whole store and get inspired. That's missing often from an online experience. AI is very good at assessing your needs, but the challenge of exposing customers to, um, or that opportunity to expose customers to different products that they're not aware of is gone. The next area of uh, challenge would be that, you know, it, there's no, there's no forum for an individual to look at the category in a whole. We can process information and imagery very quickly. We can look at a whole shelf and take in hundreds of products in a very, very short amount of time. And, and that as well is missing from online. Online, you can see a group of imagery, but often scale is preventing you from seeing them and judging them. You know, you don't have the mass of a product, let's say 30 or 40 SKUs all sitting together of the same shape, of the same color to attract the eye. So you're looking at products individually one at a time as they're being shown to you rather than in conjunction with each other. The next point I would make is uh, impulses challenged. And what I mean by that is uh, during a, a normal customer journey through a store, we refer to uh, the, the use or the validation of the blink factor. So blink factor is, you know, what great color, shape, packaging, substrate, um, what is really disrupting the category and allowing your product to come forward. So, you know, you are, you are not being served all of these products uh, in the same way. The emotional heartstrings are a little bit harder to get to. And to take that even further, Customers are empowered by easily opening another window and quickly reading customer reviews, 
validate claims, pricing before they buy. So that emotional touch, feel, you know, hug that you get in store where the physical product is being replaced by someone quickly being able to ascertain if this is what they're looking for. So those are some of the challenges that I think that, that online um, offers up. So what about some of the positives, if you think there are any? So the good news is there are some great positives, and I can outline a few of them. I think best of all, or most importantly, with shopping on an online retail environment, e-com site, you have the ability to leverage AI and data. And and by that, um, the customer preference, aptitude, or propensity to try something new is being assessed, and new and potential products that they're not familiar with being offered up to the customer. That can be food pairing, that can be an alternate product to one that they typically get that might be low on stock. So from a customer experience standpoint, the AI experience can be much richer. It can get the customer to their needs much quicker, often than shopping on their own or relying on a store uh, clerk to, to help them. The next point I would make is, again, research and validation. So that that ability for a customer to, while they're shopping, pull up another window on their phone, let's say, or on their computer or on the same device uh, to quickly look at, you know, is this the right purchase? Are they getting it at a good price? Um, that That is really empowering the customer. I would also add that convenience. So not just convenience in the time it takes to shop and and the reduction of having to get in a vehicle or walk to the store to make your purchase. But again, back to this help of AI and the ability for AI to recognize patterns and unique uh, purchase opportunities and individualize that experience for each guest. That's very powerful. And it's very hard to offer that in a physical journey in a store. Great. So thinking about the online grocery shop, what do you see the opportunity as being or or the opportunities if you see multiple opportunities? The opportunities are much like what is happening in a retail environment. So um, those core strengths around package design are really leveraged for the online. So things like, again, color, a unique color and shape. That's a validation. That's also disruption. Um, something that is unique and recognizable, or even having your brand stand out against a competitor on a comparison page. Obviously, the logo, again, for driving brand recognition and creating that initial customer experience, customer connection. So telling a story is an opportunity. Uh, In an online uh, experience, often the consumer is left with one image to try and understand the offering of the product. Again, they have no sense of scale. Um, There's no head-to-head comparison, even within a category or against other products. So there's a real opportunity to educate the customer on the brand, you know, proof points that could be origins, ingredients, use, or the greater family of products. And as an example, I would cite uh, Sephora. So Sephora will often, much like a grocery retailer, will showcase the plethora of products that they have. And they have probably their their own uh, grocery store, if if you're not familiar with the brand. Um, But they will take certain product offerings and they will show them in context, a colorful background or a backdrop to give it context. And then they will have subsequent imagery that shows maybe a close-up of the packaging or a unique product feature or the actual product itself. So it's really 
telling that story, romancing the product and giving that customer, you know, almost that, uh, that touch and feel experience, a sensory experience. I would also add that it's important to keep it clean and clean, keep it clear. And by that, I mean, just like a physical product sitting on a shelf, you know, you've got this opportunity to quickly, again, the blink factor, to quickly convey the product offering so that a customer can, in as quick a time as possible, decide if this is the product for them. We've got to win them over quickly. So, um, you know, I would say ensure that your packaging has a strong brand architecture um, so that consistent logo placement, consistent messaging placement, the hierarchy of communication or messaging on the package is very important. What's your, you know, if the customer's only got a split second, what is their key takeaway? Is that brand first? Is it the product function? Is it the product differentiator? So it's important to have that so that, again, on this online world, uh, e-com, that you can quickly convey that, that offering. I'll give a quick example. You know, we've all stood in, uh, in an aisle of a supermarket, often comparing two similar products, often even the same product from the same company, to try to understand the difference between the two SKUs. And you can imagine how that, that challenge and that decision-making is further amplified by having a customer then have to open up two windows and doing researching at the same time. You know, the online experience does allow you to validate quickly, but it's to a point, you know, opening up multiple windows and start going off in a different direction uh, to research like products takes you away from the shopping page and often takes you away from that impulse purchase. So let the package speak for itself, have clear and consistent messaging and really connect with your customer quickly. Great. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to read the study and dive into greater detail, you can find it at sld.com under the insight section, and we will link to it in the podcast transcript. The study includes CPG e-commerce personas, direct-to-consumer strategies you might not have thought of, and some easy wins to improve your performance on partner sites. Thanks for listening. For more information about Think Retail, you can reach us at info at sld.com. For more episodes, visit us online at sld.com slash podcast. Next time, we discuss the thoughtful, intentional, and holistic rise of slow fashion. We hope you'll join us.